Well, this past week is a part of our 91-week journey. You were reading about David and Goliath, one of my favorite stories. But if you're going to have David-sized faith when you're confronted by the inevitable Goliaths of life and ministry, then you need to regularly celebrate because celebrate will help you to hold on to your faith. So today we want to celebrate what it means to be a part of God's church. And to set the stage for that, let me read some profound words from the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Speaking about us, God said, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What would be the most awesome thing anybody could ever say about you? Think about that for a moment. What would be the most awesome thing anybody could say about you? And who would have to say it in order for it to be credible? Because that's an important piece of it. I'd like to suggest on good authority that the most awesome thing that could ever be said about any one of us is that we are part of God's church, the assembly of those who have been born again by the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says you're part of his church, that's a credible source. Being a part of the church is something to celebrate for a long list of reasons. Let me highlight just a few. First, it means that we are eternally loved by the only perfect being in the universe. It's nice to be loved by somebody who's dysfunctional. It's also challenging. <laughs> but to be loved by somebody who's absolutely perfect? You and I are loved by the only perfect being in the universe. Despite our past rebellions, our present deficiencies, our constant inconsistencies, our frequent unbelief, our foolish pride, our stubborn fears, our innate selfishness, our self-defeating sins, despite all of those, Jesus died for us, God's grace has saved us, the Spirit dwells within us, and we are loved with an incredibly stubborn, uncompromised, unchanging, eternal love. If you're a child of God and a part of the church, nothing you can do will make God love you less. Nothing you can do will make God God love you more because you are loved because you're in Christ and the day the father stops loving Jesus is the day he stops loving his church you're loved second celebrate the fact that there are no little people in God's church because if the spirit of the eternal God dwells in you how can you be little if the eternal God dwells in you how could you ever be insignificant you see, that should transform how we see ourselves and one another. In God's church, there are no rejects, no losers, no unimportant people, no throwaways, no write-offs. Every saint, every saint is God's valued possession, part of his royal priesthood, part of the body and bride of Christ. One day we will judge the angels. One day, along with Christ, we will rule over a restored creation. You may be nobody in the sight of the world, but what does the world know? You may be nobody in the sight of the world, but if you're a part of God's church, hashtag your life matters. Okay. More than you could ever imagine. 
third, let's celebrate the fact that God is passionate about our perfection. Everything you would hope to be in your fondest dreams when they're guided by the Holy Spirit, one day that's who you will be. God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. He wants us to be everything he had in mind when he created us, and his commitment to that end doesn't rise and fall with our commitment to the process. When we're unfaithful, He's faithful still. When we protest and run, he perseveres and pursues. He's promised that one day every one of us will be perfected without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. Think of that. Fourth, let's celebrate that we've been delivered out of darkness and ignorance. We no longer believe the lies birthed in the boardroom of hell. Even though those lies are propagated in the hallways of Washington, the classrooms of Harvard, the conference rooms of Madison Avenue, and the editing rooms of Hollywood. We don't believe them. We don't fall for the devil's crap because our eyes have been opened. Our minds have been set free. We see God's fingerprints where other people only see blind chance. It's been said that those who dance are always thought insane by those who cannot hear the music. Well, we're dancing because by God's grace, we can hear the music. We have been delivered out of darkness. Fifth, let's celebrate the fact that we've been entrusted with the most important message and mission in history. Everything else is child's play in comparison. If God has called you to be ambassador for Christ, don't you dare stoop to be a king or a president. We are called to guard and proclaim God's truth in a broken world that desperately needs that truth. We are the people who know the cure for spiritual cancer in a world where everyone suffers from it. We're the people who know where the light switch is in a world of darkness. Sixth, Let's celebrate the fact that we get to discover God in a local congregation. Now, I know it's trendy in some circles to walk away from the church, pronouncing the church a hot mess and hopeless beyond repair. But that's the indulgence of the terminally self-righteous, not the people of God. Somebody even suggested recently, and I have to agree with them, that if Jesus sought a divorce from his bride on the basis of unfaithfulness, he'd be granted it in a matter of minutes. But you see, even though the church often deserts the Lord, God never abandons the local church. The truth is most of the New Testament is written to local congregations with issues. And you know why? Because God does the bulk of his transforming work in local congregations with issues. I doubt if you've ever thought of it this way, but the truth is congregations with all of their nitty-gritties, congregations are where God saves us from ourselves and from demonic lies. The congregation is where my stubborn pride and foolishness collides with your stubborn pride and foolishness. And if the two of us are obeying Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to referee in the midst of those conflicts, then both you and I learn things about God, about ourselves, about one another, about the church, and about ministry that we would never, never, never learn otherwise. 
You see, in the nitty-gritty of the congregation, God teaches us to resist and recognize the demonic temptation that is common to believer and atheist alike. The temptation to think that somehow we're actually a cut above others. That's the lie that transforms Satan from a leader of worship into the leader of the resistance. And it's in the congregation that God exposes that lie. The truth is, the imperfections of the local congregation that some people want to run from, those imperfections constitute your best chance to be shaped by the perfections of God. You need the sandpaper of the saints to file off your rough edges and become everything God wants you to be. Finally, as a part of this local congregation, ACAC. Let's celebrate the fact that we are a diverse congregation in the city. In a world where relationships are too frequently plagued by bigotry, fear, suspicion, hatred, animosity, stereotypes, in a world where relationships are fractured along the lines of ethnicity and economy and politics and ideology. And in a world where sometimes the church reflects sameness rather than sanctification. When too many churches look like culture clubs, country clubs, or political parties at prayer. In that world, God is making us into a Jesus-joined, Christ-centered, multicultural reflection of his great heart and his eternal kingdom and our future neighborhood and address. And in a nation where churches have largely abandoned our cities in favor of more opportunistic and less challenging settings, where the people who are every day confronted by seemingly insurmountable obstacles have watched for decades as God's church has abandoned them in pursuit of numbers and the idolatry of success and convenience. In a nation where those who experience the worst of everything and receive little to nothing from the church except for the occasional drive-by handout. In that world, in the midst of such spiritual madness and betrayal of the heart of God. God has called us to stay in the hood and incarnate Jesus here. To, often, to offer the people who are all too easily forgotten the reminder that they are important to God and he has never forgotten them. And as we do that, I hope you're discovering that as you minister to the needs of those whose needs are obvious, something incredible happens. God makes you aware of your less obvious but sometimes even more significant needs so that he can perfect his work in you. So in closing, let me remind you that the greatest commandment is to love God passionately and love your neighbor as yourself. And I would remind you that to love God is to celebrate what God loves, and God loves the church. You can't love God without loving the church, because to love God is to love what God loves. Jesus died for the church, died to bring it into existence. Today, he lives for it. 
He prays for it. He protects it, albeit in ways we don't often discern. He preserves it. He's going to perfect it, and he plans to promote it. And he has attached his name to it without hesitation, without embarrassment, without reservation. Those of us who are a part of the church haven't learned all our lines. We don't always sing the right notes, but we're working off the right script. We're working off the right score. We are in God's church. And this weekend, celebrate what it means to be in God's church. That's the most significant thing that could ever be said about you. And if your tombstone says, he died, she died as a part of the church, honey, you have lived well and you will live forever. Amen? Amen. I can get jacked about being part of the church.